0: Thank you for listening to Because. On this week's episode, we hear part two of the becauses of Director of Choral Activities at St. Ambrose University in Davenport, Iowa, Nathan Wint. I think this second part is exciting because we really get to find out what Nathan is all about in terms of where he is currently in his career and what we can expect from Nathan going forward. So I hope you enjoy our conversation. go back in time now and kind of do another timeline here of let's let's put your personal life and your professional life out there in the same because um i actually don't know much about your personal life and you know feel free to be as vague as you'd like but at the same time i like to talk about how relationships form within our timeline in this career that kind of requires us to go where the work is and go where the opportunities are and Mm -hmm. say yes to things. (laughs) So, uh, let's, let's, uh, get that mix in there.
1: Sure. So, so I taught for a year after North park and, um, I met my wife, uh, at North park and we got married about six months after graduation. So Mm -hmm. December, 2002, um, and so it was kind of practical. She's from Minnesota, and I'm from the Chicago area. And so, at the moment, since I had a, a teaching job, we we stayed in Illinois. Um, and we, she she's just amazing. Like, first of all, like I I, be, I think with my parents, with my dad being not musical at all, like mm. really. If he were sitting right here, he would laugh. He couldn't sing. He can't carry a tune at right. all. Not at all. But, like, was super supportive. Mm-hmm. And I think there's something really cool to that balance. Like, it's a yin-yang thing. Like, right. Amy, uh, my wife, she's, like, she she can match pitch. Like, she always bugs me. She's, like, when are you going to give me singing lessons? And I'm, like, I'm not going to give you singing lessons. Like, I want to keep, <laughs> like, I want to keep my business separate from right. my home. Right. 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 Um, and I think there's, like, something for me that helps give a little bit of my life. Like when I go home, Mm -hmm. it's a different world. Like I can talk to my wife who she teaches in the Davenport school district. So Mm -hmm. um, we can talk about like what she's experiencing in the schools or we can like whatever she's watching. It's like, doesn't have to be music related.
0: Right. right? Yeah. Um, Because it's far too easy to just continue to talk shop. mm -hmm. And in my relationship, it was like, a hard lesson to learn early on that, like, they don't necessarily want to be around Shop Talk. So you're like, hey, let's go hang out with my friends. And all y'all did was talk about the orchestra the whole time. Uh-huh. Who cares?
1: <laughs> and I'll right?
0: put it into perspective.
1: <laughs> yeah. So it, it's it's nice to have a partner who, like, she's better than me, of course, but, like, the she is different than me which -hmm. is which is nice like sometimes that whole opposites attract doesn't work out but i think like in our case it it does like where i'm like tightly wound and high strung and all like she is like the coolest cucumber and like super (laughs) friendly and like so i think like that makes a big difference Mm -hmm. cincinnati also had a lot to do like with our relationship and friends that we had in cincinnati so as we Mm -hmm. were looking um i had basic i don't know how this worked out but like when i was narrowing down my grad school choices they were all in ohio kent state Ohio State and Cincinnati, it mm-hmm. just just the way it worked, like finances and things like that. But we had friends from North Park that were doing, uh, he was doing his uh, medical residency at the mm-hmm. University of Cincinnati. So okay. we're like, we, we knew some people there. So I think that made it kind of comfortable. Right. It
0: wasn't a completely foreign move.
1: Uh-huh. Yep. So I think part of that um, made that move to Cincinnati easier. And of course, like anybody who knows our geography, like you're going further and further away from Minnesota. So Amy was, was um, great about that. And when mm-hmm. I took my first teaching job. Again, that was like, for my benefit, I was really grateful for that. We went to Tennessee Wesleyan, which is on the far east side of the state, about an hour in between Knoxville and Chattanooga. So, but like, one of the great things about coming here to the Midwest was that we were much closer to my folks and and her folks, Uh, Mm -hmm. probably closer than we'd been. I mean, North Park was still... Chicago's eight hours away from where Amy's from in Minnesota. And now we were four and a half hours away. Mm -hmm. My parents have since moved down to Georgia. Um, I don't blame them. The the winters here are still, like, really tough. But (laughs) but I'm not ready to be a snowbird yet. But, like, I get it. I I get that whole vibe. But, like, so it's nice to be, like, close to her family. And the benefit while we were in Tennessee is that my wife got her grad degree at a neighboring institution for free. So, like, she got her teaching certification and, like... So I th- it's just been nice to like, I have to just give her a shout out because like all the things that I was able to do, especially in my early career, were because she was a willing partner in in going with me and doing that.
0: So that's amazing. Yeah, um, shout out to partners in musical lives. Uh huh. It's not easy for <laughs> them. And I, I, I hope you do this, but I, I thank my wife right? <laughs> for sticking with me. <laughs>
1: and I'm – like on concerts, I'm a total – like I'm a total wreck. Like two or three hours before, like I don't want to talk much. I don't mm-hmm. want to eat much. And so like most of the time I'll go to school and I'll just like sit in my office. Be because
0: it, for a minute.
1: Right. Because yeah, yeah. at least like my like quiet kind of sullen grumpy attitude isn't like around anybody else. Mm-hmm. Right?
0: The thing um... – That I really love about having a partner who's not in the business is that it, I don't want this to to sound like cold, but like, when you play a lot of concerts, like you kind of get into this mode where you're like you're like moving from one thing to the next and yes some performances kind of jump out as like oh i'm super psyched for this one Mm -hmm. like it's like mahler one like i i was thinking about that since the year it was announced it was coming i was like all right i'm looking forward to that
1: and that was awesome by the way that concert was wicked that was great (laughs)
0: thank you um but it 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 kind of loses its sparkliness in in some respects. Like, I, as an individual, try to bring it every time. And it's, like, one of those things where, like, I've developed this thing in myself where it's not concert day until, like, I'm in the chair and the, like... I mean, the lights are always on, but it's, like, that feeling of, like, okay, it's game time. Mm -hmm. And then I get into this mode. I'm, like, singing my part through this horn. Like, I'm psyched about it. But it's, like, then the concert's over. You have to kind of, like, stop the concert at that point because like you can get into this mode where like if every concert's special and you do all the things around it you're like i'm gonna party after it's like you end up partying every day yeah for years and years and years and years and years which has bad health (laughs) effects on it uh not speaking from experience on that one (laughs) lol but um at the same time the thing about our partner's reaction to certain performances to me make is like so special because like rachel's not a performer like when she comes to hear me play like solo with qcso or when i played with muscatine last weekend like i can see how ex- like excited for me she is and like how proud of me she is and like boy does that feel amazing uh-huh. you know and it's just like you know they don't they they may not get like how to do this but they get that we love it and that we've done a lot to get where we are and they want to share in yeah. that. And I'm like so happy to share that with like my wife and, you know, and my parents and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, like, again, like I love heaping on love for, for partners, but it's like their commitment to like their person and like seeing that it's like um, th- there's no other way for them to be you know, it's like, for me, like, I just can't not do this. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, I'm so glad that she's willing to do it with me. And, and I get to share these special mm-hmm. moments. But anyway, I guess we have to stop talking about how much we love our wives.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> or this will be like a 18 hour podcast. Right. Plus. And, and then Rachel will hear it and go only 18 hours. I know, right. <laughs> but anyway, so um, let's talk about Tennessee a little bit. Yeah. And um, kind of, The transition, because you were teaching public school before that, correct? Mm -hmm. Um, You had an idea that you wanted to teach high school, that you may want to get into the collegiate teaching world. Um, And what was was going on that kind of made that opportunity come to fruition in, in, in Tennessee?
1: So I remember finishing my coursework for my doctorate. At Cincinnati, and I, I I knew I was going to have about a year more of like paper writing, but Mm -hmm. for for the thesis, and so, even then, the the collegiate job market was really competitive, Mm -hmm. and I remember having maybe one or two interviews. I sent probably hundreds of applications and heard from like one or two schools, and I'm like, okay, I got to get my act together and write this paper, and I think, at least in my area in education, I. I didn't have a place I'm like, well, I'll only go to this or this or this state. We would have liked to have gone to Minnesota or Illinois or something like that. Right. But like as an early career musician, sometimes you're like, I just, I want an opportunity where I think I can do what I'm good at doing. Right. And so the, the finish my my thesis. And as I'm looking around, um, I see this school in Tennessee where it's basically like half choir, half voice. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I could do that. I got like a taking voice lessons my whole life. I got a Cognate in voice for, which by the way, was like one of the most nerve wracking things. Like Mm -hmm. being in, in vocal lit seminars with artist diploma people at CCM who are like now singing like Worldwide, in right. the Houston Opera and everything, but so they like, are
0: on the audition trail in earnest and are going to get roles. Uh
1: huh. <laughs> and here I am, like this choir guy, like singing in front of them. But so I'm, like, I look at this job and I'm like, I could do this. Like I mm-hmm. like teaching voice and I like doing choirs and like they, they liked what I had to bring. Um, so it was just a, a nice natural fit. Like Tennessee, again, six hours further south. So I know, like, both of our families, like, didn't love it, but I mean, they're not gonna. You know, they're supportive of us, right? Right. So um, it's beautiful because it's just about an hour south of the Smoky Mountains. And Mm -hmm. like growing up in the Chicago area, it's just flat. Like the only thing that's tall is a skyscraper, right? Right. But like seeing all of these trees and hills and mountains, and it was was pretty awesome, like working down there and like... Being in an environment where it's not—and this is not to disrespect Tennessee Wesleyan. Like, it's not a hyper-competitive conservatory, right? Right. So, like, I don't have to be perfect. The singers don't have to be perfect. I look back now, that was— Almost fifteen years ago when mm-hmm. I started teaching at Tennessee. And I like I, I feel bad for my voice students there at the start. Because like mm-hmm. <laughs> I look back and I'm like, man, what did I know? I know nothing. Right. And now I know a little bit more than nothing. And it's like I just kinda wish I went back I could go back and do that. But it was it was a nice place where I felt supported by the administration, I felt supported by my colleagues and like had an opportunity to like really grow. And learn how to become a better teacher at the collegiate level. Yeah, but I kind of like working with older students because you feel like you don't have to. I, when I when I got my teaching degree, I knew I didn't want to teach kindergartners because I'm like so Johnny's like I got to go pee, and I'm like, okay, like go whatever. do your thing. Yeah, man. right. Like, but I didn't, and I knew I didn't want to do that teaching. But right. like So Tennessee was really great that way.
0: Mm-hmm. So yeah, the um, when you get that first teaching job, like collegiate teaching job and I've had one I've had a couple mm-hmm. and it's a it's a hard lesson to learn that your job is not to replicate a studio you used to be in like my job was not to make the Carnegie Mellon horn studio out of every studio that I got to form it's about like finding where your students are Mm -hmm. and finding a path for them to just improve their skills and and for me it's like where the student comes in is like i mean obviously doing the work to get better but what am i going to do with these skills like we are there to help inspire we're there to help guide but like for me what i want to do is create a student who has skills that they can decide what to do with, whether or not that's playing in an orchestra. Like I tell my students all the time, I was like, I don't want you to play in an orchestra. I don't want you to play in a band. I want you to play where you want to play and play what you want to play. And yeah, sure. Like you're still going to play Strauss concertos and and stuff like that. But like learning a Strauss concerto can certainly help you play like a million other things. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that was like the big lesson for me. And I, I think that's kind of what you're saying is just like, you know, just meeting every student where they're at, finding out who they are, finding their motivations and helping to to help them blossom for me. I, I think I spent a good year or so just kind of like banging my head against the wall. And I'm sure my students yeah. were just like, why are you doing that, man? <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> right. <anyway. laughs> I, we always joke when we go to like national conventions and like when you get out of grad school, you're like, I'm going to do the St. John Passion my second year at my new school. And you're like. And and we all look back now, and you're like, how stupid was that? Right. right. Like, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we're like, like learning learning what they what the students need. I I feel like I'm I'm still trying to figure that out, but I'm a little better at it now.
0: For sure. Well, you'll be a good teacher if you continually try to get better at that. So like anybody who comes in here and is just like, I became the best teacher of this, and now that's the way it is. Wrong. Uh huh. <laughs> so, um. So let's uh, start to transition into the present day. What's the story between you know your time in Tennessee and then coming here to St. Ambrose?
1: So t- t- Tennessee, I felt it- it's a smaller town. We wanted to get closer to family. Mm-hmm. And I felt just like in the region we were at, I, I-, I feel like I had done... What I was able to do and what I could do, and we—it's not that I wanted like Tennessee Wesleyan to be a stepping stone. I wanted to be in a place where I felt like I was contributing and like making a program grow and helping students. But we were—we were both far away from family, right? Um, so we—I always had an eye. We always had an eye on like, can we get back to the Midwest? And mm-hmm. so the opportunity Ambrose came up, and it was almost perfectly halfway between my folks and her folks. Right. So it was ideal. And of course, like choral singing here in the Midwest, like these kids are nuts. They're so good. Like it's it's crazy. Even uh, in my choirs at Ambrose, some of these students that are biochem anatomy majors and like this, this like never done music, but like I give them a song with... You know, five part to VC and they're like, oh, I sing this note. Boom. And then they just do it. And you're like, what is in the corn? Like what? Right. I mean, it's just like so like there's this region where, you know, there's like really good talent mm-hmm. and there's a region where we're going to be closer to family. So it was like a nice opportunity. And and again, the the job pretty much aligns with what I think my skills Are better suited where it's basically half applied voice and half choir, and Mm -hmm. then in off years can do like conducting or teaching like choral methods or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was just it was just the right opportunity at the right time, and I I mean I love the Quad Cities. Like I when we get students that come in that don't know the area, Mm -hmm. like I try to make it really clear. Like I'm not blowing smoke. Like I I think the Quad Cities gives us all the things that I had as a kid in the Chicago area without the traffic. And we're not – like when I need a really big, big city experience, we're just three hours. Right. Like it's not a big deal. And hopefully
0: soon it will be a train right away. I know. That would be – Putting it out there.
1: (laughs) Yeah, right? Like that would be awesome. That would
0: be really awesome. Yeah, and I uh, (laughs) – you know, this show doesn't really – uh, need to be a QC love fest, but always turns out to be because I, I think, you know, a lot of our experiences here, um, as outsiders, are that the Quad Cities is a is a great place to become an insider, mm-hmm. and like they i've lived in other places where i felt like the first question is always what high school did you go to and if you didn't answer a high school in town like the conversation kind of fell apart yeah and like here i mean i, I meet strangers all the time that i end up feeling like i want to invite over to, to the garage to have a bush light with You uh-huh. know what i mean and like i love that vibe i love like being a musician in this community because like you. You know, it, it's just, it's so surprising that people care time and time and time again and it's not that i'm like devaluing myself for the work but like people love what we do here mm-hmm. and like that is unique yeah we don't have to fight for it as hard like it seems like in other places you have to like care about me care about yeah. this but here it's just like what you got what you got keep uh-huh. it coming do you want to play more come on let's do this and there's so,
1: great talent here and i right. think like it's it's easy for me to like fall into a trap of like oh you're not chicago you're not minneapolis so the mm-hmm. players or the singers can only only be x good like that's a total misnomer right? right but like the truth is there are really good singers and instrumentalists in this region mm-hmm. like we're very fortunate it's, I think
0: it's very very uh it's great to be a part of it for sure mm-hmm. so
1: um let's end our
0: conversation today with some uh kind of maybe philosophical questions because <laughs> oh, right. i like to try to kind of wrap things up with guests in a way where it's kind of taking the history that we just covered and, like, we did hint on, you know, well, I, boy, I, I know now something that I would have done in the past, but what does, like, your story mean to you in terms of the future? Like, what what is it that you're passionate about now that are big things that you're trying to do with your programs or trying to do with your artistry?
1: Yeah. I'm obsessed the last couple of years with relevancy of music r- to real life experiences. Because we look around and we see arts programs cut, budgets cut, the this attack. And I am as big a sports fan as you'll see anywhere. But mm-hmm. like this prioritization of sports and like you're going to college for this career, you don't have time for music. And mm-hmm. so like, I'm in a field at a school. I mean, we are not a conservatory with 300 students, right? Like, right. if I don't get out and recruit, I'm not going to have singers. Mm-hmm. But I often have to convince singers that what they do is more than just a glee club getting together. And no knock on glee club, that whole... It's just like a metaphor right. of, like, we're not just there to sing. So we talk a lot about what the lyrics mean not just in that song, but like, how are they going to use it later in life? I mm-hmm. talk to my audiences. I try not to talk a lot at concerts, but I want them to know what we've been doing and what what they can do. Our last concert in March, we devoted entirely to African-American composers. About mm-hmm. every five years, I like to do a concert that is primarily geared towards spirituals because they kind of get like pigeonholed near the end of a program is right. like, here's this upbeat song right let's fun, not talk about the history the or fun
0: song all right 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 Right.
1: and so i like having a concert at, like, every five years where we can like zoom in on that mm-hmm. and so we were doing a spiritual by stacy gibbs called great god almighty and it is actually a story about a runaway enslaved person who's being chased by his um captor, I don't want to say master, the the person who thinks he owns him right. and is like trying to beat him and kill him. Mm-hmm. Like these are dark, dark lyrics. And I'm white. The majority of my choir is white. And you're mm. like, what? First of all, it's uncomfortable looking at this text. And then you think, well, what, what does this have to do with me? We all know slavery was bad. Well, my point was to... When we look at this text, it's okay to be uncomfortable, but how do we respond to that discomfort? It should be knowing, you know, you're not gonna walk outside of Galvin or WVIK and find like people in chains, thank God. But there are plenty of people enslaved by by poverty, by circumstance, by like societal um, things that are out of their control. And like, how do we respond to this inequity around us? Like, do we, Continue to oppress, or do we look for ways where we can be a change? If I can't donate, you know, a million dollars to build a new building, what I can do is work with my community to make sure that it's an inclusive area right. for people of all different backgrounds, right? Mm-hmm. So, like a spiritual that has to do with enslaved people in the 1840s, 50s, and 60s. I wanted our students to know this wasn't just about, like, saying slavery is wrong. Duh. I mean, good grief, if I have to say that out loud, then that's a real problem for right. everybody.
0: And we should probably stop this right now and confront that.
1: Right? Yeah. Like, so So I'm obsessed with singers knowing why we sing things. And mm-hmm. I think the obsession also comes from the fact that we often in the arts have to justify our existence. Like right. as much as you and I just talk about how supportive the quad cities are, like mm-hmm. look all around, all around the country, in Europe like just like a month ago the BBC announced they were going to cut their only professional choir and only after thousands of letters and protests did they like, oh, well maybe maybe we'll we won't do it now. Like right. This is a fight that is coming to us whether we like it or not. Mm-hmm. And so I want to be sure that our students, the next generation of music supporters, like I go to baseball games and I support them with my money because I want to have a good time. Right. These are cats that are going to go to concerts because they want they, they they'll want to remember their college singing experience or they'll just – they want – some time to be imaginative to reflect and think mm-hmm. all the great things that music does, right? Right. So if I can teach my students how to do that, I think I can be a better advocate for the arts at Ambrose or wherever I'm at or or in my community and really make So that's that's my big thing. Like mm-hmm. how is music relevant? This isn't just some like glee club where we're all having a good time and singing Kumbaya. We do. We have a great time, but it's it's so important to how we live as people.
0: Right. These these pieces of music are our historical context, and to dig into that and draw correlations to the modern war world is is why it's there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, I mean, it's like I don't think composers write music for one single person or for themselves. They write it for the the world and hope that people take it and do things with it. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's that's really really great. I also want to kind of talk about your administrative role. And uh, this show is inspired by all of the parts that need to happen for creativity to happen, for concerts to happen out of a children's book. Um, And I think it's, it's, I feel this, where it's like, people just think these things exist out of nowhere. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's like it requires folks who who do not shy away from the work of 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 administering artistic uh, organizations, artistic structures, and uh, you're involved in that at St. Ambrose. So talk to me a little bit about your you know I guess your decision to to take that on, and and what has your, been your experience working kind of non musically, but for the sake of music yeah
1: yeah so i'm i'm chair right now a sentence that ends next year so i'm looking looking for a nice little break i think i think i'm i'm good at administering but i don't like it i would much rather be teaching i would much rather be singing conducting doing all of these things Mm -hmm. but it's necessary work right? right and um my colleague bill campbell had been doing chair for a long time doing great work and like when you're in an administrative role for a long time and maintaining a you know a performing career like that's a lot to do mm-hmm. so i like i was happy to take it over in part because i just i feel like he had earned the opportunity to like get a break right and like right. go back to the things that he wanted to do um and i'm looking forward to giving that to the next person another right. year. But it's right. but like it's it's critical. Like mm-hmm. I I am in a position now where if something comes up, I can advocate for a concert series that features Marion because of the what she gives to the community. Or I can right. advocate why we need to host the Quad City Wind Ensemble on our campus. Like the the community outreach. I right. think I'm I, I that's where I think maybe some of the political science skills that I learned have been helpful because Sometimes I'm not always great at this. Sometimes I have to send an apology email, rarely, you know, when you, like, get into a little bit of an argument. But I think most of the time I'm good at diplomacy and understanding, like, when is it a good time to push the fight and when is it a good time to say, okay, that is not worth the battle right now. Right. So. Like choosing your your battles, mm-hmm. as they say.
0: Yep. That's very, very cool. Yeah. My, um, <laughs> it's weird because. I I kind of approached administering, like being a personnel manager as like, well, I know how to do this and I have been managed poorly. Uh, So (laughs) I like to try to like do this and and do it like better, I guess. Um, But what I found is that I get really wonky about putting parts together. And so like, that's why I love kind of like working here is that like, we make content mm-hmm. and like, whether it's on air content or podcasts like this. And I get to play around with like, Uh, this has been a really fun conversation that I'm looking forward to and then you know having like complete strangers on the other side of the table and like just putting that element together has been like super fun for me and like you know I guess it's not really dissimilar to being like a conductor in the sense of like choosing like these are people who are going to sing these parts because it's going to be interesting like I'm sure you love that aspect I, of things too.
1: I love that the conductor gets to be in charge of that. Like mm-hmm. I I'm I'm type A and like that's not always good, but like <laughs> it's in when it comes to like managing the convenient thing about being chair is when I have to send in a purchase order for the choir, like I don't need the chair's of, it's one less hoop I have to jump through. Right. send it to my dean. Mm-hmm. Like when I'm a conductor, I don't have to to like And I'm the, you know, this isn't a school where we've got three choral conductors here where I'm like number two or number three. Like, Mm -hmm. for better or worse, I'm in charge of the repertoire that Mm -hmm. we sing. And it it is kind of, I think every conductor, if we say that doesn't matter, I think they're lying. I would be lying. Like, there is something nice about the element of, like, being able to control, but... We just have to. I try to do it in a way where it's it's never about me. Like it needs to be again about the literature that I'm singing. Like our students need to sing this content. When administering in a chair role, like we need to advocate for this person, for this department, for our colleagues across campus. So, but yeah, there is there is something that aligns with being an administrator and a conductor, and all those skills I think are pretty much in that Venn diagram for
0: sure. (laughs) But at least I guess with uh, being a uh, conductor administrator you get concerts at the end of it yeah it's like being a non musical administrator you just Ugh. have like another faculty meeting yeah. to look forward to <laughs> yeah no thanks <laughs> well nathan it's been really super to to get to know you a little bit better um on the show and i really thank you for jumping on with me
1: this is awesome. Thanks for talking. Even though you're a Pirates fan, it's okay. <laughs> I guess I, I I wear a hat all the
0: time because the headphones, wearing headphones all day, uh-huh. make these really weird like Princess Leia yeah. bun indentations <laughs> on the side of my head. But I totally didn't think about my choice of hat. That's all right. <laughs> Are we doing better than you right now?
1: I think you're at about the same level. This is a good start for the Pirates. It's also a good start for the Cubs, but it's not. It's kind of surprising, I think, for both teams. I'm much less stressed when the Cubs are bad. Even though I want them to do well when they're doing terribly, I'm less stressed. So that's good.
0: Someday I'm going to start a sports podcast in which I take two people who love a team and have them have a conversation about a World Series in which one person's team beat the other person's team, because I think you and I could go at it for a good hour or so about the darn Cubs beating my Guardians. That was... (laughs) I hated your Twitter account for a while.
1: (laughs) I will never forget that as long as I live. They could be awful the rest of my life, and I I got to see it. I never thought I would see it. I just
0: need one. Come on, Cleveland, give me one. (laughs) LeBron gave us a basketball championship Let's see if he can give us a baseball That's right. (laughs) That's right. Well, thanks again, Nathan, and uh, have a great summer of baseball. Thank you. Yeah, thanks a lot. Because is produced by Mark Zyla and Jaron Michelle in the studios of WVIK Quad Cities NPR. Thank you for listening to this episode. Because I read Because by Mo Willems, illustrated by Amber Wren, I wanted to learn the becauses of people I admire. Do me a favor and thank someone in your own Because story, and join us next time on Because.